Singled In, a gathering place for single members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in their 30s and 40s, also known as mid-singles. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Oliver. And on this week's episode, we're going to talk about how we, as mid-singles, are not alone. We always have someone that is present in our life who is helping us along the way. Whether it's God, whether it's Jesus, whether it's someone that he placed in our path to help us on our on our own path. And our guest today is our lovely friend, Robin. Robin, thank you for being on our podcast episode this week. We appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited to have you. Robin has been mentioned in a previous episode. Robin was the one that went to that um, the infamous New Year's Eve dance. Oh. Uh, which was her first mid-singles activity um, after her divorce. So Maybe that's not Robin. my brightest idea. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know. But now you know. <laughs> yeah. Robin, tell us about yourself. Yes. Right. So my name is Robin. I definitely grew up in a small town in Oregon. Ended up going to BYU for college where I met my former spouse. Um, we ended up moving to Vegas because he wanted to do... Um, schooling with addiction recovery, which is kind of ironic when it comes down to it because the divorce happened a lot of it because of addiction and infidelity that was going out and throughout the marriage. Mm. That is ironic. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, so definitely a hard thing to go through Mm. and having to learn that like none of what happened was my fault whatsoever. And like, that I do deserve more, and Heavenly Father does want more for me in the future. Um, cool. Trying to think what else to yeah, share what there, but... Uh, well, then, yeah, go ahead. First of all, what small town? And, and is it Bend, Oregon, where the last blockbuster on earth is? It is not Bend, Oregon, but I did play tennis against them. Okay. <laughs> they were part of our sports district stuff, but I grew up in Pendleton. It's a small rodeo town. Up in, oh, like, cool. the northeastern corner. And we seriously got out of school for a week every September for the rodeo. And it was always the week before my birthday. That's fun. <laughs> I Amazing. love it. So what do you do for fun and for work? For work, I am admin for a local um, timeshare resort. Cool. Which is great. I have plenty of vacation time. I have employee discount to go traveling. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like the best. Yeah. And I love, like, the flexibility of being admin. Yeah. Um, and then for fun... I feel like I'm always like trying to hang out with somebody and if I I do take time to just be at home I enjoy baking and decorate cakes on the side and I also do a lot of reading. Okay yeah (laughs) I love that you post on your Instagram stories what you've been reading and I like pay attention to your recommendations because I'm always looking for good books so yeah. Have you had any of Robin's baking? Um, I did eat your uh, cookie bars at Break the Fast today, (laughs) and those were really good. (laughs) She makes some really good cookies as well. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, um, the ones Oliver is talking about. (laughs) When I had my one-year anniversary of the divorce, uh, me and my twisted mind (laughs) decided to make better-than-sex cookies. They are. Have you had better than sex cake? Yes, I have had the cake. So she made that in cookie form, and they were, oh my gosh. They were they were divine. They were really good. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah, it was seriously like, you know, the chocolate cookie and then the caramel bit cream, the toffee pieces and stuff. Oh, was... man. That sounds really good. Yeah. Um, and I have, you have shown me your cool cake designs. Like you'll do kids' birthday party oh, cakes yeah. and stuff. And they're amazing. Thanks. I'm very impressed. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah, I do mostly birthday cakes, but I have done a couple weddings. That's oh. amazing. Yeah. Like, Not... like tear cakes? 
yeah, wow. tiered cakes and, and stuff like that, but it's mostly birthday. So, <laughs> so a little bit less stress. I mean, like having a, I mean, there's definitely something to be said for having like a special birthday cake. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I think there's definitely a market for that. That's cool. <laughs> so Robin, how long have you been in Vegas? I have been in Vegas at this point about 10 and a half years. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Cause we were, yeah, five years over at the first apartment that we were in. Mm-hmm. And then bought our house uh-huh. and have been there for five and a half years at this point. And I was able to win the house in, in the divorce. So I to go. get to enjoy it. Nice. Gotcha. Um, so Robin is also a member of the Mid-Singles Ward that we attend. Yeah. So how was the Mid-Singles Ward? Um, Transition. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, how did you hear about this? Yeah. Um, I had actually heard about it from my former spouse, his cousin's family and so like the aunt and uncle had told me about it um and then yeah that first activity i went to was that 31 plus new year's eve dance that (laughs) this podcast has talked about multiple times as not being the best activity if you haven't heard the other episodes there were definitely people in their 70s there right it wasn't the best activity but we did get some good things out of it (laughs) including friends and memories including friends and memories yes most importantly i have to admit like this last New Year's Eve dance was much better. Was it? I did have one older person ask me the dance. I turned him down. <laughs> and then Oliver was like, I'll be your fake date anytime you need me. Oh, I love it. <laughs> oh, gosh. Man, I'm sad I missed that one. I was out of town. <laughs> the food was really good. Yeah, food was good. And yes. there was a lot more of the mid-singles representing. Yes, were... yes, totally. <laughs> so, so that helped a lot. Yeah, that is good to have that representation. <laughs> But yeah, the transition, I started coming and I was a visitor in the ward technically for almost a year. Yeah, that's true. Um, Finally moved my records over in December and that was like a hard transition for me. Like I had felt that prompting to be like, it's time to do it. I was fighting it. (laughs) Were you? Yeah, but because I had like a calling in my family ward that it was hard, but at the same time, like I was doing a lot. I was in the young women presidency. Oh yeah. And (laughs) yeah. And there was a lot going on for it, but feeling the promptings of coming over and then the few people that knew that I had even thought about it, they were supportive and trying to get me to do it. I mm-hmm. even met with the singles ward bishop mm-hmm. to be like, how do I make this choice <laughs> Yeah, and stuff? But when I finally did move it over, I was put to work immediately. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, you got called to FHE. Yeah. Love it. I get to work with Oliver in FHE. Yes. <laughs> true. And Lindsay, that used to be your calling. Yeah. So that yes, one, that, that connects all three of us. That <laughs> one is for sure a demanding calling, though. And I remember talking to one of my friends who lives in Utah, and she was like, oh, you have that calling? Uh, everyone I know, as soon as they get released from that calling, they never go to FHE ever again. <laughs> and I was like, that might be me. <laughs> but I come occasionally now. <laughs> So Robin, when you transitioned from the family ward to the mid-singles ward, was were they like sad to see you go or were they supportive about you leaving? At first they were sad um, mm-hmm. just because they didn't want me to leave. Like, especially with the fact that I had been in this ward just despite the fact that there was a few ward changes, I'd been there for five years. Like I had friends mm. and, and that was one of my fears also coming to the mid-singles was like, I didn't want to lose those friends Yeah, mm. just because of the lack of seeing each other. And so, yeah, yeah, people were fighting it a little bit. But then when it came down to it, 
they're like, okay, this is probably for the best. Like Mm -hmm. making those connections, hopefully dating and finding your person. And you can just bring them back because I own my house. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) And stuff. But even like my homeward bishop, he called me the day before I was moving my records to be like, I heard about this and I don't like this idea. (laughs) (laughs) What were your impressions of the mid-singles word when you started coming? Was that scary or? (laughs) To me it was just because like I'm a shy person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, and so just like trying to meet people and make friends and, and just like for a while I fell out of place. Mm. And so it was hard with the family ward being like, oh, I'm not married. And, and in that ward, like there's not very many single people. Yeah. So it felt really weird. But then over at the singles, I was like, I don't really fit in there either. Yeah. <laughs> and then I went through like a little bit of a, I don't want to call it a depression mode, but like all the feelings from the divorce finally hit because I was empowered for a while. And then going into that next stage of being like, oh, I have to figure out how to be single. And I actually stopped coming to the singles ward for like two months just because I was like freaking out and not Mm -hmm. knowing how to do anything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're saying there was a place where you were feeling empowered, which got Mm -hmm. you like out of the marriage, I guess, or where you needed to help you do what you needed to do. and. The empowerment definitely came from, like, how hard the divorce was. Like, there was many times throughout the divorce of, like, I couldn't, like, my ministering sisters had to be angry for me because I just couldn't be angry anymore. Yeah. Um, like, you're just tired. Yeah. And tired out. and just being like, this is ongoing forever. Like, the mm-hmm. we had agreed at first that we were going to do everything amicably, but then he went and got a lawyer and made all these accusations against me. Mm-hmm. So despite the fact that we didn't have any kids, our mm-hmm. divorce took... Like, 11 months. Oh. Longer than... Is that pretty common? No, that's not common at all. Here in Vegas, you can get divorced in, like, a week. Oh, wow. But (laughs) going through all of this, it took much longer. And Mm. and my former spouse, he chose to not work throughout the entire Mm. divorce. So he was taking money from me. I was working three jobs. (laughs) And stuff. Like, I just couldn't be angry and so when the divorce mm-hmm. was final like I even threw myself a divorce party <laughs> oh yeah tell us about that I do, I do not blame you well what did you do for the party I knew I needed to do something to like take my power back and so like I came up with the theme of like well I had seen so many other people be just like angry with the divorce that I was like okay my theme of this is going to be the next chapter yeah mm-hmm. and so of course, at that time, I made myself the better than sex cake, which mm-hmm. my therapist even said, like, there's no other cake you can have. Like, <laughs> it yeah. has to be that. But then I had a cake topper made that said, like, um, heroin of my own story. Mm. Being like, oh. the end of the divorce wasn't the end of my story or even the end of my love story. Like, there's uh-huh. more to come. Yeah. And so leaning into that whole thing of being like, okay, what's the next right step? Uh-huh. And what am I going to do with the next chapter of my story? Yeah. yeah. I also love that you didn't wait for anyone to... Th- do that throw that party for you that you like initiated that Mm because I think sometimes like as like well-meaning as we are like as friends to each other like we don't always know what the other what someone else needs and so sometimes it's just good to be like I want this I'm gonna make this happen will you support me yeah and being like it gave me something to focus on yeah that's true because it wasn't like oh somebody else is gonna do it but this is like me and my thoughts that went into it and everyone else was able to surround me and give that support of just being like yeah we agree with this. Like, there is more to come. I love that. Yeah. Oh, so, I love that. Very proactive. Good for you. <laughs> but yeah, that makes sense that you had this, like, empowered phase, and then there was, like, some maybe depression or listlessness or something. Yeah, figuring uh, out that how to be single, because it yeah. is different. Like, even yeah. going through the separation and the divorce, like, technically in a way, like, there was things I was doing acting like I was single, but 
I still had that connection and then losing that entirely and having to figure things out. And like even going and getting my oil changed. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like little things like around the house, like at this one point I put up a new piece of artwork and having to figure out how to fill the holes in the wall and and being so proud of myself. Yeah. (laughs) That's amazing. Okay. Good for you. Yeah. I think that has to be very jarring. Like you get married at BYU, you're following the path. And then the path takes a detour, and which is, like, very common for our lives. But I could see that just being a lot to grapple with, for sure. Right. Yeah. And there was, like, I have been to the BYU Life After Divorce Conference. I've gone twice now. Oh, tell us about that. And um, one of the speakers that goes exactly with, like, what you were just saying is there's a lot of times that with the culture of the church, like, we think the whole... Um, covenant path is like, oh, you go to Young Women's and you get your Young Women's Medallion and you go to BYU and get married and have this big, lavish reception. And then you go on and have 15 kids who are all perfect and you're a blogger. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But in all reality, the covenant path is, you know, the baptism, going to the temple, like all that sort of thing. It's not all of these extra things that we put pressure on ourselves Mm -hmm. to do. It's not the cultural things. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Well, I love our topic of conversation (laughs) and I want to keep talking about it, but I think we should take a detour and talk about Valentine's Day for a second Yes. because this is uh, the last episode that comes out before Valentine's Day. And I mean, let's like address the Elephant in the room, Singles Awareness Day. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the topic is like we're not alone, but like like you said, Valentine's Day is coming up. And, and it kind of brings that home a little bit. <laughs> Seriously. It's kind of the worst. Yes. Lindsay, you did say earlier like Single single Awareness Day. Uh-huh. There were a couple of years that I was that person where I was like, oh, I hate Valentine's Day. I call it Singles Awareness Day. And my yeah. mom thought it was so funny. And yeah. she she would like tell me every year like Oliver like don't forget it's Singles Awareness Day and we would laugh at it. Yeah. <laughs> but now I've reached the point in my life where I'm okay with the holiday, mm-hmm. where I like I look forward to it now. Yeah. Um, it's not a holiday that depresses me or like makes me sad. I think I've finally come to a point where I'm okay with the holiday and I'm like ready and actually excited to celebrate it. How did you make that shift? <laughs> Honestly, I have no idea. Yeah, you I just think, grew up a little. Yeah, yeah growing think, up. Yeah. yeah, I think you just like like yeah, growing up and coming to terms with it, and I think you just like you like you like try to figure out okay, how come that holiday was so like how come the holiday made me upset? How come the holiday made me angry? Yeah, looking <laughs> yeah. into like the feelings behind it. Yeah, angry. like the the introspective part. Yeah. Okay. Ooh. Right. Yeah. Why but, did why did it make you upset? Oh, I mean, why, why doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, Robin? Thank you. Why, why wouldn't it make me upset? Yeah, like maybe it's obvious, but maybe we should talk about it. Like, why is Valentine's Day hard for singles? Yeah, kind yeah. of like like New Year's where you, you you ring in the New Year's and you're supposed to have like that New Year's kiss with someone. Yeah. Like I, that has yet to happen to me. I like, know. And also like who decided that we needed yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, right? Like who, who thought of that? Who thought of that tradition? Media. Right? Yeah. But it's the same with Valentine's Day. When you celebrate Valentine's Day, you usually typically celebrate it with someone mm-hmm. that you're partnered with. Yeah, the expectations that yes. we ex- like think that we have to have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, whereas really, like, I mean, Valentine's Day is kind of for the kids, you know? Mm-hmm. Kids don't have partners. Like, they just bring Valentine's <laughs> yeah. for their class and yeah. uh, eat a lot of candy. So, like, why aren't we just focusing on that aspect of it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's definitely like a commercialism affecting mm-hmm. our lives yeah and, well yeah. what are your guys' thoughts on valentine's day 
Yeah, I um, haven't loved it either in the past. I don't think I've ever had a boyfriend on Valentine's Day. Or... Yeah. Until now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Trying to have low expectations. But... <laughs> That's the best thing to do, honestly. In the past few years, I've kind of leaned into the Galentine's thing. So I've like mm. tried to like make cookies for friends mm. or do some sort of little delivery. Um, so that's been kind of fun to do. Um, actually it was a few years ago, my friend and I, my roommate and I, we decided we wanted to make a Valentine's playlist, but it was a dysfunctional relationships playlist <laughs> to remind ourselves like that it's not always great to be in a relationship. It's not always a good idea to be in a relationship. So yeah. I still have that playlist if anyone's interested on Spotify. It's called dysfunctional relationships. <laughs> Give me a follow. Just kidding. It's probably oh like, God. it's kind of silly and angsty now that I think about it, but that, <laughs> I'm going to find that. I know. Like, I have to look coping, at this. <laughs> it was a coping mechanism for sure. I'll listen to it tonight. <laughs> but yeah, I liked the idea of like focusing on others, focusing on friendships, things yeah. like yeah. that. So I want to do more of that in the future too. Yeah. With or without a partner. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Celebrating but, Valentine's Day with a friend group. I have done that before in the past and it, it's always fun. Oh, yeah. Just making sure you have some fun plans that you're getting together. Yeah. Yeah. Making like brownies or cookies together and you like make heart shaped ones and then you like watch a cheesy movie or, yeah. or just like not even a cheesy movie, just like a movie that's like out there and ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I love that idea. And I, you, Robin? Yeah. I like the idea of, you know, taking control of it. Like you guys yeah. are talking about like doing the Galentines or getting friends together and doing what you want to do. Um, I know when I was married, my former spouse, he was very big into saying he had all these big plans and then he wouldn't do anything. Oh, oh really? So low all expectations. Talk, no yes. All talk, no action. Have to look good in front of others. Um, and so since the separation and divorce, like I've made it a big deal of doing something for myself. Mm-hmm. So the ever since I got separated, like I have gone and like got this professional fancy charcuterie board. Ooh. <laughs> and and I will, you know, make sure I have a night in where I can sit in my pajamas, watch a cheesy like Hallmarky movie <laughs> or yeah. something and enjoy this charcuterie board and <laughs> Yeah. And that's just for me. It's like my splurge to love myself sort of thing. I love the charcuterie board idea because yeah. it's like not sugar so you're not like feeling yeah. terrible after. And it's then like I have just, leftovers for days. And, yeah. <laughs> and it's like just good food. The fruits, the cheese and crackers oh and the meats and right stuff. Now. Oh, I'm excited. I've already I've already ordered my board for this year. Yeah. So I'm like ready to go pick it up. Yeah, I yeah. love that. So party at Robbins, yeah? Yeah, I'm down. You, do, you have to come in your pajamas. Yes. I did for a second think about like moving into the event planning space with Singleton where I was like, oh, we should plan like a Singleton Valentine's Day event. But then I was like, mm, I don't have the time or energy for that. So let others do that. And there's too much going on. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we have some good friend resources. So That's true, yeah. If nothing's happening, reach out. Yeah. I love it. Okay, good. Well, 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 glad we could make peace with Valentine's Day in, you know, three minutes. So. Right, yes. <laughs> Go us. And hopefully all of our listeners out there have, you know, a nice Valentine's Day as well. Yeah. <laughs> and if you have any, like, horror stories, let us know. We want to hear. Or the good ideas. Or the good ideas. Yeah. Right? yeah. How do you love yourself? Yeah, I love that. We, we're definitely going to talk about that in this episode. So, Robin, you, um, you were the one that suggested this topic, the... You're not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, why was this topic one that stuck out to you or uh, was of interest to you? 
So as I was going through my divorce and stuff like that, like I feel like I've had to learn this lesson over and over again. And I had a friend write a book called Cutting Ties. And this one quote that stood out in the book was like, God does not control people and their choices. Like I couldn't control my, my former spouse. Mm-hmm. But Heavenly Father does stand by us, lift us, carry us, and hold us. He carries us and drops us in front of people who can suffer with us, hug us, and tell us they understand. And I've had to see that multiple times in my life of Heavenly Father putting the right people in my path at the right times or having to lean into Jesus Christ himself when I didn't mm-hmm. feel like I had somebody else. And mm-hmm. so it's like I'm never alone, even when I technically feel like I am. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And I mean, especially we kind of talked about this before we started recording how, uh, I mean, this, you're never alone topic is definitely focused on the savior because that savior, the savior is that like help and comfort mm-hmm. available to us at all times. But at the same time, um, God of, often like answers our prayers and reaches us through other people. And so, yeah. um, yeah, this, I mean, the savior can definitely show us his love through those connections. So, definitely true. Yeah. <laughs> Was there anyone in particular when you're going through your divorce that you felt like was placed in your path to kind of help you out? Absolutely. Like the biggest tender mercy that I can even think of that's special to me is um, like I knew what was going on in my marriage for probably five years before I said anything. Mm-hmm. Like I suffered in silence because oh, yeah. there were details that I just didn't feel like I could say. And uh-huh. And, you know, in this church culture, sometimes those things are frowned upon. <laughs> yeah. And, it's taboo. And so one day I was leaving my house and I was going over to the church for ministering interviews. They had it set up to be like a drive-through sort of thing. So you would show up to the church. Someone from the society presidency would jump in your vehicle. You'd talk for, you know, the two to three minutes they jump out and you go on your way. Real funny. I kind of like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, Very it works funny. really nice when you're like in a neighborhood ward where everyone's really close together. So it's yeah. really easy to get to the church. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and so as I was leaving my house and pulling out of the garage, I just, like, it's not even normal for me to feel the spirit this way, but I felt like I heard those words being like, you need to talk. Mm. And uh-huh. my first thought is like, I absolutely cannot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is, yeah, it's not gonna be good like I can't do that (laughs) and the voice coming again just being like no you need to talk okay me being sassy (laughs) yeah and stuff I'm just like okay I'm gonna find a loophole if my interview is with the Relief Society president I'll talk if it's anybody else and I'm not going to oh yeah testing God (laughs) (laughs) that always works out well so you want to guess what happened no (laughs) oh yeah Uh well the Relief Society president, she was maybe an acquaintance at the time, but we've become really good friends since then. Um, yeah, Rachel, she saw me pull in. She was actually walking to somebody else's car. But when she saw me, she felt that prompting as well that she needed to talk to me. Oh, how cool. And, uh, and so she jumped in my car, you know, asked me all the standard questions like, how are your ministering sisters doing? And, yeah. And so I was able to be like, you know what? They're fine, but there's something about me. Yeah. And, Ended up telling her everything. She cried with me. Oh, that's so special. <laughs> and then on top of that, she was like, I'm getting you help. My brother happens to be a therapist who specializes in betrayal trauma and addiction and all that sort of stuff. And so she set me up with him. Oh. And 
definitely seen Heavenly Father's hand in that. Like, I had tried therapy in college, and mm-hmm. I hated it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so... Did you I, do therapy at the BYU Counseling Center? Yeah. Okay, me too. And it was not a good experience. <laughs> no. Really? Yeah. I'm a very big proponent of, like, finding the therapist that is right for you. Yeah. And so the therapist that I had at that BYU Center or whatever was not the therapist for me. Yeah, I had the same experience. My... That's so funny. Okay. <laughs> Not, not not to sidetrack your wonderful story, but m- might I ask why? Like, how come it wasn't a good experience? For me, I need somebody that's going to take a softer approach. Yeah. And so the one at BYU, like, a direct comparison between the two. The one at BYU, he was like, I'm going to make you cry. Oh. <laughs> and I was oh, like, uh, no, thank you. I'm out of here. And I, like, stopped going. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ooh, but then, <laughs> but with my therapist, um, his name is Jeff. When he would tell me that, he would just be like, your cheeks haven't been watered enough. Mm. And I was able to take that better because it was a softer approach. Mm. Um, um, and so knowing that, like, Heavenly Father pretty much had one chance to get me into therapy and with the right therapist. Yeah. And it happened because of this one connection that I know Heavenly Father had his hand in. Yeah. yeah. That seems very orchestrated, <laughs> even just being in the same ward as her. Yeah. yeah. Right. And how lucky... For you, that the, your Relief Society president was in tune with the Superior, and then she knew, you know what, I'm going to skip that car, I'm going to go to Robin's car. Yeah, being like, I had felt the prompting, she felt the prompting, and even my therapist, like, he was able to feel the prompting as well, like, once she reached out to him, being like, hey, he's in St. George, and I'm here in Vegas, hmm. and he was willing to take me on, even though uh... it took extra work of, like, sometimes phone call appointments, or sometimes I drive up there, and <laughs> okay, and those sorts of things, but... Cool. Yeah, so it was like all three of us together just being like, okay, this is where I need to be and, and okay. he needs to be the one to help me. <laughs> okay, so would you say that was like the single most helpful thing in terms of you, like your whole divorce process? Was that therapy or that was definitely that, therapist? that was definitely one of the biggest things. Okay. But also like I had great ministering sisters. We had a, uh-huh. I had a rough time with my bishop when I first started going through things mm-hmm. and he wasn't very supportive. He uh, was... yeah. My former spouse, he was very good at talking and (laughs) and getting people to believe some of the things that he would say. And so I struggled with that. But then we had a new bishop. And the first time I ever met with him, he asked me, like, hey, what can I do for you? And it came to my mind of being like, I need good ministering sisters. Mm -hmm. I I need a friend. And he handpicked those ministering sisters for me. And it was really helpful because he chose his wife and another friend. (laughs) And so like, as I was going through the divorce, like a lot of times when I had an update about what was going on, I could give the update to the wife as my ministering sister and she'd go tell the bishop for me. Yeah. So that Um, way I didn't have to go through it all the time with the bishop. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. He knew what was going on without me having to be in his office every week. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. That's really beautiful. I like the idea of asking for what you need too. Mm -hmm. In terms of ministering or just anything in the ward like um i think like our leaders are doing their best and often they are like given promptings to help us but mm-hmm. at the same time like it definitely can't hurt to also just say this is kind of what i need and this would help me and yeah, yeah. a lot of times like inspiration is uh-huh. or information is inspiration yeah like sometimes people can't help you unless they know what's going on just like uh-huh. that relief society president she wasn't able to help me unless I said something. Yeah. Like, she wasn't going to know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So you had these people that were placed in your life to help you. What about, like, the other aspect of this You're Not Alone, which is the Savior? Like, um, 
do you feel like there was times where you were being like personally ministered to by the savior or how do you, yeah. Yeah. So one time that sticks out of like personally the savior, Uh like pretty much giving me a hug, um, going through the therapy stuff. Like we had to do a therapeutic disclosure where Mm -hmm. my former spouse, like he had to write out everything that he was doing with the addiction, Mm -hmm. including things of like how often and how recent Mm -hmm. and those sorts of things. And, uh, Going up into that experience, like, I was told to do all the self-care. And so, like, I made sure to do everything I could. I fasted. I went to the temple. Mm-hmm. I got a priesthood blessing the night before. And I even told, like, um, my workout friends what was going on. So the night before, they mm-hmm. did, like, a special playlist of, like, and they called it Strong Like Robin. Yeah. <laughs> so we were able to do like a little party pretty much before I went to this appointment. Mm-hmm. And it was really hard. Like we were there for three and a half hours. My Relief Society president, she drove me up to St. George for it. And uh, we would go through these different sections of the different behaviors that my former spouse was doing. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, like just feeling so much peace, even though like I was told a lot of harmful information. Mm. And it, literally feeling like I was like enveloped in the spirit of just being like, it's okay. Mm -hmm. The feelings will come and, Mm -hmm. and you're going to be able to process this in good ways. And so like, I was able to like go through that disclosure statement and write my notes of being like, um, this is how I felt about different things or how he said it this way. It made me think this and Mm -hmm. just different things like that. But literally like feeling like I was enveloped by the savior, like a hug at that moment. (laughs) Yeah. I also love that aspect of you feeling like you could do the next steps. Like Mm -hmm. you have the strength to like keep moving forward. That's really cool. I feel like, um, that's definitely been the topic of my scripture study lately. My question, my big question, I guess, um, I'm kind of seeking for ways God is like manifesting himself in people's lives. Mm. Um, and so I do feel like, those experiences are more rare where I feel like personally ministered Mm -hmm. to or helped, but I have had them and they were really powerful. But yeah, I think a lot of times it is like through other people or just through like, I don't know, just everyday help, I guess. Absolutely. Like even a more recent story of Uh having Heavenly Father pretty much use somebody else. Um, Yeah. I had a one day just a few months ago that I was just like in a lot of pain Mm -hmm. and, um, had gone home from church and just like laid in bed and a friend actually called me and I just started bawling because Mm -hmm. of how much pain I was in. And and in that moment, she was like, not even giving me an option. She's like, you're getting a priesthood blessing. I am calling your, (laughs) your friend's husband and I'm going to make him go and give you a blessing. And like the entire time that he was there, like I was crying the entire time, Mm. but that sweet blessing of, the comfort and that I would be fine and that even through everything that I'd been through and sacrificed Mm -hmm. for things that weren't my fault that I was an example to other people and Mm -hmm. and that I'm like whether it be an example of strength or that I'm have the ability to help other people because of what I've been through like Mm -hmm. that stands out to me so much of just being like okay that person called me at the right moment Mm -hmm. and sent help and I was able to, like, get that help from Heavenly Father through the blessing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've had that actually really frequently happened to me where I was just having an awful day and, like, someone reached out who 
wasn't like mm-hmm. someone who consistently reached yeah. out. But yeah, in fact, I have a friend, Janella Carter. You guys know her. <laughs> yeah. She lives in Florida now, but she's still. There have been multiple times where I was having like a particularly hard day, and she just like reached out on that day. And she's like such a like a compassionate person, and so she's definitely one who I feel comfortable like opening up to, or even being mm-hmm. like, "Hey, do you have a minute to talk?" You know. <laughs> and she's like happy to talk, and so. Yeah, there was just one, like, this past month where I was having, like, a pretty hard, just dealing with some hard stuff, and she just, like, happened to text me on that day. I was like, of course it was Janella, you know? Aww. But, like, I've had those, but it's yeah. not just her, it's been others, too, like, um, you know, good friends, s- siblings, whatever, like, um, maybe they were just going to reach out anyway, but, like, those definitely mattered and I felt I felt God's love through that Mm -hmm. so yeah whether it be the text or sometimes something left on the doorstep or yeah (laughs) yeah for sure yeah Lindsay I love that you brought up Janella because a lot of people don't know about Janella that she has severe she has like severe allergies Uh uh-huh and you know is always getting rushed to the ER and so her life isn't easy but I love that she still found the time to like reach out uh-huh. And see how you were doing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. It's usually always those people that have like a lot of things going, like a lot of uh, a lot of things going on in their lives, whether it's a health challenge or they just, they, you know, life kind of dealt them like, you know, a terrible hand. Those are the ones, the those are the people that are always reaching out to others and seeing, mm-hmm. hey, like, how are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, that's probably like a great skill to have if you are like dealing with some intense challenges, like. Um, you can't always wait for other people to reach out to you. So if you're proactively like building those networks and reaching out to mm-hmm. others, then yeah, that's like a really great <laughs> thing to be doing in general. So mm-hmm. yay, yay, Janella. Yeah, shout out to Janella. She's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Yeah, I'll have to tell her to listen to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, so Robin shared with us how the Relief Society president was, you know, placed in her uh-huh. life. Do we want to share other stories? A- other stories like how maybe someone was placed in our lives yeah. or should we focus back on? No, I'd Robin. love to hear your stories, Oliver, for sure. Oh, do you do you, do you have one? I have one. Okay, um, you go ahead. I have a good one. Well, I have one that um, has like the both aspects we're talking about: the savior, like um, feeling the savior's help in my life, and also getting the help of others. Mm-hmm. So um, I've definitely talked about this before, but when I was like preteen, teenager, I had this pretty intense condition in my esophagus where I couldn't get food down like there's it was like a muscular issue I still have it but we'll get to the point where (laughs) things got a lot better anyway but um yeah I kind of suffered in silence for many years because um I was like a little bit embarrassed that I was like throwing up a lot throwing up a lot of my meals um like I didn't want people to know about that I didn't want people to think I had an eating disorder it wasn't that you know Um, and then when I did start talking about it or my parents just noticed I was like struggling, um, cause it was throwing up, but I'd also like be up all night coughing a lot of the times. Um, uh, I'd like go to doctors and get, they wouldn't like, they weren't recognizing the issue. It was actually pretty Mm. rare for kids to have it. So anyway, so a lot of, a lot of years of like suffering with that in some ways, but, um, during some of those times, like during some of those nights where I was up coughing or whatever and also trying to like be a teenager and go to high school, you know? Uh, <laughs> and trying to fit in. And yeah. <laughs> I think like um, teachings about the Savior like really stuck with me. And um, I loved that idea of like, even though I didn't feel like anyone understood what I was going through or knew how to help me, like the Savior 
had experienced that because of his atonement. And so that was really powerful to me. And I would even like seeing, I know that my redeemer lives to myself (laughs) and stuff. (laughs) So that was really big. And I, um, just kind of gained a testimony of him through that. Like I, um, definitely had times where I felt, I mean, tons of comfort through him, um, that I attribute to him. And I did believe in that healing. And then eventually, well, and this is the other part of it, the part where a person came in. So we had um, this bishop who um, was a doctor. He was actually a gynecologist, but um, he was our home teacher for years and years. And at some point, we like started talking, like as my parents were trying to like get more and more help for me, uh, we talked to him about it, and he was like, oh, that sounds like you need to go to a gastroenterologist. And so... Um, that was just really helpful because, like, we'd gone to doctors before and they hadn't <laughs> suggested that. But he was like, oh, my gosh, yeah, that just sounds like it's this gastro issue. And um, so, yeah, so we did. We went to a gastroenterologist and they did some tests and, like, they figured it out, like, pretty quickly. So, um, and then they decided I need to have surgery and we went to UCLA for that. But, um, and then after the surgery, like, I was like... It was, like, <laughs> night and day. Yeah, it was way better oh, wow. after that. So it was, like, really beautiful. So much relief. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was, like, in time for my senior year of high school so I could, like, enjoy my senior <laughs> year. So, yeah. So it was, like, super beautiful. And I really did feel, again, like the Savior was, like, uh, healing me through that. But, again, it was through, like, a ministering yeah. situation that we got the help we needed. So um, Knowing the right person at the right time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that was really beautiful. Um, this is why ministering is so important. I know it's crazy. <laughs> like, cause honestly, ministering can be hard. It yes. is. Yeah. And I'm saying that out loud because I am, <laughs> I need to hear me say that because I have to be better about ministering. I, I really do. For sure. We all do. Like, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard when you don't get like the, the, um, responses you want mm-hmm. or someone's not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, appreciating you reaching out or whatever. And figuring out, like, what is the best way to minister to somebody? Because there's Mm -hmm. so many different ways. And my personality of ministering could be completely different than what they need and trying to find Uh how to do that. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah, maybe it involves being, like, a little more prayerful about it versus just, like, this is what I always do, so I'm going to do this (laughs) with this new person. Kind of like the five love languages. Yeah, (laughs) I love that. Yeah, like, maybe some people just love, like, a check-in text. Maybe some people want to go to lunch. Maybe some people, like, when you deliver cookies to them or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And those are, like, all different love languages, (laughs) so I love that. (laughs) The same way, like, trying to figure out how to, like... No matter if it's a friendship, a relationship, or anything, like, you have to learn how to respond to the other person and how they need it. (laughs) Yeah. So the next time I minister to my assignment, to my people, I'll just say, hey, here's this love language quiz. Could you fill it out? (laughs) That that way I know how I could better minister to you. (laughs) You're like, physical touch? Great hugs. (laughs) Um, I am an excellent hugger. Yeah, you are. Oliver is the best at hugs. Yeah. I love that. Honestly. You got that covered. (laughs) (laughs) I will say also with my experience from being a teenager, like I have had many experiences after that that wasn't, I didn't have like this one defining experience and Mm. never have a spiritual, you know, experience (laughs) again. And there have been other times where I've just felt like lonely or need some comfort. Maybe I was struggling with like a boy situation. It was Mm -hmm. often a boy situation. (laughs) But like there have been those times where I did feel like um, I was being comforted and also... um, being helped to like take my next steps Mm -hmm. like there was one time in grad school where I was distressed about a boy and it was like (laughs) really dumb situation anyway 
But I had like a, I was like really upset about it, and I had like a paper due at midnight, <laughs> and it was like maybe 9 p.m. You know, oh, so no. it was time to get going. And on you're it. just starting. And I'm like falling my eyes out, you know. And but then I remember like praying for help, and like I felt better pretty quickly, and was able to get that paper done. Yeah. So like, it's like, so I appreciate that you said that about that experience you had where you had that like really hard therapy appointment, and then mm-hmm. you were able to like move forward and do the mm-hmm. things you needed to have yeah. that strength. So, yeah. yeah. With the help of others, yeah. Yeah, with yeah. the help of the Savior. And it was like, I did move slowly at times. Like, after that really hard appointment, it took me another year at least before I finally decided, like, divorce was the answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but even my therapist, he'll say, like, even though I moved slow, once I, like, received the prompting that it was time to do something, I would act mm-hmm. and try to kind of like follow whatever Heavenly Father was letting me know instead of just being like, oh, well, was that a prompting? Was it mm-hmm. not? Yeah, kind of <laughs> So that way, it. like, in a way, Heavenly Father can trust me that I'm going to follow the promptings when I do get them. Oh, I like that. And then that. I get more instead of ignoring them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Making it a habit or a mm-hmm. practice so you get better at it. I love that. I think it's important to point out that we all receive revelation at our own pace. In mm-hmm. that different ways. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I like that. Like I said, when yeah. I heard the words of like, you need to talk, I was like, that wasn't normal for me, yeah. but I needed it yeah. in that moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do you feel like you more often feel God in your life? Like what's more common for you? I think for me, like it will be like a random thought. Like I feel like for me, like a lot of times, especially like if it's to serve somebody else, I'll be like, oh, I, this person's popping into my head. I should probably text them. Mm. And and just like following up in those sorts of ways or being like, oh, I should take cookies over to this person. And mm-hmm. so I feel like a lot of times it's thoughts instead of like those direct words. But... Mm-hmm. Like an idea. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like that. I feel like I've been, I mean, I feel like I often struggle to get direct answers to prayers. Mm-hmm. Like I remember on my mission praying so hard to know if the church was true. Like I wanted God to tell me. Um, and then eventually I had to realize, like, I was not going to get that answer, but I was getting it every day through, like, how I felt about what the work yeah. I was doing. And so, yeah, I think a lot of times my answers receive, are received not, like, when I'm kneeling down, but like, when I'm, like, out doing things, you know? <laughs> um, and just, like, seeing the fruits of those things. Like, and, like, the warm tart. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. And just seeing, like, the goodness that comes from me, like, living that life or living the gospel. So those are, I think that's often how God is reaching me but also like that feeling of the spirit is really powerful that feeling of like peace or motivation Mm -hmm. or um goodness wanting to be better yeah Mm -hmm. I feel that often at church for sure I felt that today for sure yeah we had like a beautiful testimony meeting and um really good lesson for Sunday school so yeah lots of times Mm -hmm. and often reading the scriptures too yeah yeah what about you over Oh, about... Well, okay, so I have two stories, actually. Yeah, let's hear your stories. <laughs> As we've, like, skipped over you. <laughs> so so we've talked about how people were placed in our lives to help us and how we have been placed in other people's lives to help them. Mm, yeah. So that first... Years ago... Uh, th- this is my first story. Years ago, when I was still at, attending my home ward, my family ward, my... Um, at the time, my young men's leader 
asked if I could help his mother-in-law because his mother-in-law was going to have open heart surgery. Mm -hmm. And when you have open heart surgery, your only objective is to stay home and recover. Like relax, get better, and recover. Yeah. Rest. Yeah. And recovery (laughs) takes a couple of months. Oh. Well, his mother-in-law had this German Shepherd. (laughs) This really super hyperactive German Shepherd. Mm -hmm. And you you have to take a dog on walks. And there is no way that his mother-in-law was going to be able to take this hyperactive, you know, dog mm-hmm. on a walk, especially after heart, open heart surgery. So he asked me to, if I'd be willing to help, and I was like, yeah, sure, you know, whatever. And so um, met, met his mother-in-law, like, super awesome woman, met the dog, super hyperactive, but super <laughs> cute. And so every day and every night, I, I would walk this dog, you know, twice a day for months. Oh, wow. It was, it was That's a months. lot of work. Yes. Twice a day? Twice a day. And let me tell you, there were a couple of days where I would like grumble when I was walking this dog because I knew she had grandkids. Her grandkids were in my home ward. Oh, yeah. And I remember <laughs> thinking like, how come they're her own grandkids like won't even walk her dog and blah, blah, blah. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized, okay, like they're going to school. At this point, I had graduated from high school and I wasn't going on my mission yet. So I had free time. Whereas, yeah. you know, they didn't. And so I think that was one of the reasons why he asked me if I could do it because he okay. knew that his his kids couldn't do it, you know, her own grandkids. And so yeah, I walked this dog for like months, and I got to know his mother in law. She, she was <laughs> she's a super interesting woman, <laughs> but she she made me laugh. And you know, you can tell that she was lonely, and so I think she just liked having someone that like came and like talked to her. And even after I walked her dog, we would just I would sit in her house, and she would talk for like half an hour. Maybe an hour, and I would just sit yeah. there and listen. Yeah, super sweet lady. Anyway, she's she's passed since then, but um, I remember it was one Sunday. I'd been walking this dog, you know, for a couple of months now, and his my young men's leader's wife came up to me, and she her, she had tears in her eyes, and she was just so grateful, and she expressed how grateful she was that I was able to do that service for her mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, like Oliver, you were, there, there were a couple of nights that you were like complaining about doing this <laughs> and not realizing that I had like, that I was, you know, I was a relief for her and for her family, that I was mm-hmm. able to do that for her. So that's uh-huh. one, so that was the first story that came to my mind where I didn't, I didn't realize it then, but I, back then, but I realized that at that moment huh. that I was placed, you know, to help that family, to yeah. help that particular individual. Yeah. Um, my second story, so before I came out publicly as, as a gay member of the church, um, I remember thinking, wow, I wish I had more people that I could rely on, or at least more people that I could talk to about this. Because mm-hmm. when you don't have someone to talk to about it, you kind of, not kind of, you feel isolated because you want, you want someone that you can relate with or someone yeah. that relates with you. I can imagine that being incredibly, like, isolating. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, like, thank goodness, you know, there's this online community called North Star. And, you know, it's a big it's a big online community of LGBTQ, you know, members of the church. And so I was able to get support from them. But I really wanted support, you know, here where I live, here in Vegas. And so it wasn't until I came out a couple of years ago, I came out publicly, that that's when people started getting introduced into my life. Mm-hmm. where now I do have a couple of friends who are members of the church who are gay. And so mm-hmm. I can rely on them now. Mm-hmm. And so that's my, that's a second, that's my second story of people, of these people who, who are now really important in my life because they were introduced into my life 
when I came out and now I'm mm-hmm. able to like, you know, relate with them. Yeah. So that was really, you know, a blessing for me to have someone like, like to have those kind of people in my life. And I would think like the people on social media that have come out in the last couple of years too, of mm-hmm. just being like, we want to be these big supports to, and you've been able to mm-hmm. follow them and kind of lean into their stories as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That that wasn't going on just a few years ago. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. I also love that, like, there was someone who had to start North Star, like, put in all that work, but, like, they created this, like, beautiful community where, like, those who didn't think they had anyone had a ton of people, you know? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so that's big. Like, if you have those, yeah, maybe maybe your ministering involves one-on-one interactions Mm -hmm. or maybe it involves, like, starting this whole big thing, you know? Yeah. (laughs) That involves a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. An online community is better than nothing, like... Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I think it's better when you have uh, an interpersonal community that you can meet with, like, one-on-one. Absolutely. In your own own vicinity where you live, yeah. And somebody that you can call and really talk to yeah. and open up your heart yeah mm-hmm. someone that you can spend time with yeah um i would also love to hear from you oliver how you've felt are there times where you felt like god helping you through challenges or felt like the savior uh was supporting you or how do you feel god in your life Ooh. i just i've always known that i've i've never Despite all the things that I've gone through, you know, trials, blessings, what have you, I've I've never felt alone. Like I always mm-hmm. knew that God was there, that okay. my father was present. Okay. There wasn't necessarily a point in my life where I felt alone. Like I just always knew that like God was present. Uh-huh. And so I do consider that a blessing because I don't know if that applies to everyone else. And like Robin said earlier, you know, you get promptings in different ways, in different mm-hmm. forms. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I just, I just, I have always known that, you know, even though I might feel alone or I might feel like I am alone, I know that, you know, that God's always there, that he's always been present in my life. Okay. Okay. I like that. Just that testimony. Yeah. Carrying you. And sometimes getting that testimony early, like really helps you later on down the road mm-hmm. instead of like trying to figure it out while you're going through the big trials. Oh yeah. 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 I love that. Having that to rely on. Mm-hmm. We did want to talk about like the application of this. Like we have all these beautiful stories of how others have helped us or how God's helped us, but like when it sometimes when it gets down to it, like you're just you feel alone or that you're going through something really tough. Like what do you do at that point to like access the Savior's love or access the help of those around you? I know a couple things. Um, for me, my therapist is always on my case about getting my feelings out of me. <laughs> um, and so he will remind me multiple times of like that I need to be reaching out to my friends or whatever. And there's many times I'm like, well, I don't want to be annoying and like mm-hmm. keep being upset <laughs> and these different things. And he keeps telling me like, no, it's okay. Like they want to be there for you. They love you and they want to hear from you. Mm-hmm. Um, or journaling my different thoughts and feelings and that sort of thing like just getting the emotions out of me Mm -hmm. so those are big things and then different types of self-care whether it be like really leaning into what do I need Mm -hmm. do I need to go on a walk do I need to do something creative do I need to get on my knees and say a prayer or go to the temple there's so many different things just like trying Mm -hmm. to lean into what do I need yeah 
it's all about connection. That's <laughs> I, I love that it's all about connection because it even says in the scriptures like it's not good for man to be alone. Mm-hmm. So I love that, Robin, you were talking about how you get promptings that you need to connect more or mm-hmm. to reach out to people. Yeah. Because, yeah, like we, we need we need people in our lives because mm-hmm. other people bring us joy and happiness. Yeah. Even in the episode last week, she talked about that when we were talking about attachment theory. Mm-hmm. They had, I mean, the psychologist came out and said, like, we're wired for connection. We can't we don't really do as well without it. Like alone time is great, but like we need each mm-hmm. other for sure. So, yeah. I feel like that's something that we had to learn during the pandemic as well. Like, yes. being isolated oh, from everyone totally. was so hard. And, yes. like, trying to find ways to connect with other people. Mm-hmm. I even yeah. sat in people's driveways at times with my camp chair to be like, sure, we can be six feet apart, but we yeah. just need to talk. <laughs> yeah. I think we all got, like, really creative at the time. And, like, I mean, we did some cool things to connect. And so, like, now that we don't have to do that anymore, like, are we still using the resources available yeah. to us. To, and are to we still reaching out to people? And yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When it's more readily available, <laughs> are we still taking advantage of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love all those things. Yeah. yeah. You don't you don't know what you have until it's taken t- away. Until it's taken <laughs> away, yep. Yeah. And I like the, I mean, you had so many good ideas, Robin, and I feel like it all, it is that multifaceted approach. There's like the spiritual side, like just reaching out to God for help, getting on your knees and praying or maybe seeking out like a priesthood blessing. I know you mentioned that mm-hmm. before. Or reviewing a patriarchal blessing. And... I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Attending the temple, attending church, whatever you may need. Um, but then also there's that social side, like mm-hmm. who in your life, um, who's here on earth, not in heaven, you know, can be, can also be that support mm-hmm. and help that you um, feel of God's love that way and feel less alone. Yeah. So. It really is leaning into what do you need yeah. and figuring that out and then acting on it. Uh-huh. And like we talked about before, not, and asking for those things like people don't always know how to best help us but mm-hmm. they, i think people are super happy to help us if they mm-hmm. know what they can do <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i know i'm that way for sure yeah. i keep going back to robin's story about her relief society president visiting with her that experience was able to happen because you had an open heart you were you were willing to listen to her and and to accept her into your life at that time yeah and so i think that's also mm-hmm. another way that we could um, improve ourselves is just being open uh, to accepting more people into our life. Mm. Yeah, I had a friend. Well, I made a new friend this week. Aww. I've been, yeah, which is helpful. I mean, I have so many wonderful friends through church, and sometimes those relationships are a little bit superficial because you go to <laughs> activities and hang out, and mm-hmm. then you don't get that one on one time. But I was, I don't know, I was kind of feeling the need for more like, um, like closer connections. I had. I've had some good friends, like, move or, you know, move on with life in different ways recently. People I would have those, like, one-on-one conversations with. But, yeah, this week I had, like, two big friendship wins. One was, like, a friend from church who I don't talk or I don't see as often, but we both work uh, on, like, campus together. And so we got lunch, and I was like, oh, I need this, and we need to do this every (laughs) week. And then also... (laughs) There was another girl, she's a coworker, like, um, a different office, but we were meeting over something, and we found out we live close together, and she was like, oh, I'm going bird watching. My husband and I are going bird watching on Saturday. You should come. It's like Interesting. a park nearby. And at first I was like, uh, I'm not a morning person. No, thank you. <laughs> and also bird watching sounds boring. But then I was like, no, I like, I want friendships, you know? Yeah. And mm-hmm. like, um, and I like really appreciate her like putting herself out there yeah. to invite me to something. 
So then I was like, yeah, I like nature and friends. Like, I'll, I can get up at 7. It's fine <laughs> on a Saturday. Uh, <laughs> so, it's a one-time thing. <laughs> yeah. And so then I did, and I was like, oh, we actually have a ton in common, and we for sure should be friends. So yeah. And actually, bird watching was rad. I loved it. <laughs> it was, like, super uh, interesting. So I recommend it. Yeah. I have I've never done bird watching. I'll add that to my list. Yeah. I, I know my grandpa loves it. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, we just went to, like, the park that I go to all the time because it's, like, literally across the street from me. There's a reservoir. And I thought all they had were ducks and geese. Oh, no. We saw, like, hawks, herons. But you have to, like, know where to look and have, like, yeah. good binoculars. So yeah. it was fun. Yeah. And way to go, Lindsay, that you kept an open heart and an open mind. And yeah. Now, now you have the, Yeah, all these, these cool connections. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So I think friendships, building up our friendships, especially as singles, is so important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Robin, you had a letter. All Are right, we at that so... point? I, th- I think so. Yeah. So going into, like, this whole thing of, like, even people being put in our path, like I met a few friends through different retreats and stuff like that. And one of them had invited me to go to this one retreat. And it was like two days after I had finally like asked for divorce. And one of the things that they asked us to do was um, to write a letter to our future selves, because it's so common of like writing a letter to your past self of being like, Oh, it's okay that you didn't know these things or (laughs) that sort of thing. But they had us write letters to our future selves and they sent them to us a year later Mm. and so it was really interesting because i got my letter about the same time that my divorce became final and so like yeah all the little details of just being like this isn't your fault and this divorce like it is the right answer because all the things that you've been through and um, and it really stood out to me at the end of the letter that i wrote being like you've changed a lot over the last two years and you will change even more keep being kind and keep being you don't let someone else dim your light because you have so much to give. And that stands out to me so much now being like moving forward, be, not letting anyone else dim my light ever again. And so that's important to me, like even looking at possibly dating in the future, being like, okay, that's one of the most important things to me. Mm-hmm. Who's going to help me shine more instead of dimming it like what had happened in the past? Mm. Mm. I love that. <laughs> that's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love uh, we've only had a few um, divorced people on the <laughs> podcast, mm-hmm. divorcees, <laughs> and I love um, that. Like, there's so much hope, you know. Mm-hmm. And knowing that I wrote that two days after asking for divorce, yeah, and to have like that much conviction of like mm-hmm. th- we're moving forward and it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm sure God was a big help in yeah. helping you see that. See that future, have that vision. Because at that moment, like so many people would be like distraught and just crying and <laughs> yeah, and be like, it's the end of my life. And I guess I had the ability to just be like, we're going to move forward and no one else is going to dim my light again. Yeah. I cannot imagine like just thinking about like breaking up after six months of being with somebody <laughs> and how devastating that is. Like 10 years. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I was married it's... just shy of 10 years. Yeah, that just seems so overwhelming. So of course we need, we can't do that alone. Like we need others. Yeah. So yeah. That's really great. This has been awesome. I'm glad this wasn't our original plan for a podcast right before Valentine's Day. We want to do something like fun and lighthearted, but um, I'm so glad we did this topic because I just think it's the most important thing. Like um, relying on the Savior and relying on our networks. Like that's that's the message we need as singles. Um, and 
Yeah, I hope and getting to that point of loving ourselves at the same time. Yeah, that's yeah. a big one. We should talk more about that too. Yes. Yeah. And th- this whole topic was about not being alone. We gave several instances throughout this topic about about how that's true. Mm-hmm. We are never quite alone. There's always someone who is present in mm-hmm. our life. Yeah. And yeah. if you're not seeing them, then reach out. Yeah. yeah. And there's sort resources out there, like uh-huh. the fact that we talked about friends and church members and family and the online groups and Uh stuff like there's so many resources out there Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and if you don't know where to start pray ask god to help you know where to start he'll he can help give you those ideas and then also just reach out to a friend for sure there's always someone who um could be there for you so yeah (laughs) Thanks for being on, Robin. Oh. We really appreciate you. Thanks love for you. having me. Yeah. Robin, you rock. Rockin' Robin. Rockin' Robin. Oh, my oh I've heard that so many times. Oh, oh. Like, it's not new. I thought I was being original. That's hilarious. It's like when people are like, keep, my last name is Pace, keep up the pace. I'm like, ha ha, very original. Uh-huh. Which is actually really funny. But. Right. And yeah. then there's my name. Oh, Huntsman, do you hunt man? I'm like, ha ha, <laughs> no I do <laughs> now I'm like actually yeah you know any <laughs> I love it alright thanks guys <laughs> mm.